Welcome to Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. My name's Dave Ryan. How are you? I'm going to start right in with a story, and then we're going to get to some of the, the book like we always do. We're going to talk about other things, but I have to tell you a story about what happened last night. Carson went to go see 21 Savage at Myth in Maplewood, and it was a negotiation because it's on a Saturday night. I don't like him driving across town at night when the drunks are out on a weekend night, and it's, you know, Myth does a great job, but, you know, he's 16 years old. And he's not big for his age. So I thought, I've always warned him. I said, you go to a concert, people are smoking weed, people are drunk, there's going to be assholes at any concert, no matter what kind of concert it is. And I said, you got to watch out. Don't wear expensive clothes. Don't wear your Supreme jacket. That's a brand name that is big in hip hop and he loves his Supreme jacket. I said, don't wear it um, because you're going to be tempting people to steal it from you. So he left it in his trunk. But here's... What happened? I'm going to tell the story as quick as I can. Uh, he was supposed to check in every hour or so, text and check in. He didn't text, so we called him. Here's where it gets weird. A strange man answered Carson's phone. And uh, Susan calls him, and she's like, Dave, I'm on the phone with Carson's phone, and it's not Carson. Somebody answered his phone, and she's near panic. And I said, calm down. Hand me the phone. I take the phone. I said, who is this? And he's like, who's this? And I said, you've got my son's phone. No, this is my phone, he said. And I'm like, no, this is my son's phone. He's like, no, it's not. Who are you? And he's saying all these things that I'm thinking somebody would say if they had stolen my kid's phone. So I'm like, oh, my God. Somebody's got Carson's phone. He can't even call me to tell me that he got his phone stolen or that he's in trouble or that he got beat up or who knows what. So I call one of the other boys' dads that he went with and I said, have you heard from the boys? No. So I call this number again and the same guy answered. I said, you've got my son's phone. Why do you have my son's phone? Who is this? And he said, I don't have your son's phone. And I slowly started to realize that something was wrong. He said, I, this is a Google phone number that I set up for my business. I don't have my, I don't have your phone. Um, I said, where do you live? He said, I live in Eden Prairie. I said, well, I'm in Chanhassen. What's your name? He told me his name. I couldn't understand his name. He said, um, I, I said, this is my 16 year old son's phone. He's at a concert. I don't know what happened. He said, I understand. He said, I have kids of my own. He said, how about if anybody calls me or I find out something I will call you back. What's your phone number? So I gave him my phone number and this guy, there was something about this guy's manner that showed me that he was either super smooth or he was telling the truth. And it turned out he was telling the truth. I don't know how it happened, but when Carson puts his phone in airplane mode, it rings to this guy's phone. I don't know how, I don't know why, but for about 20 minutes until we got a hold of Carson and Carson called me, we were in a panic, and Susan especially. I've never seen her. She collapsed into a chair, and she just, like, cried. She's like, oh, my God, somebody beat up my son. Somebody took his phone. I don't know where he is. She was in full panic, just collapsed. And I said, I was actually impressed with myself by how calm I was. I was like, "There's, there's got to be an explanation for it. So as it turned out, there was. But holy shit. For a few minutes, we thought, oh, my God, Carson got beat up or his phone got stolen. Who cares if his phone got stolen? Um, side note this morning, 
Um, we were talking to him about it and telling him how panicked we were. And he said, well, that's not the worst thing. You know, if I got kidnapped, that's not the worst thing. The worst thing was my phone got stolen. I'm like, are you crazy? Are you joking? I said, if your phone got stolen, who cares? We get you a new phone. But if something happened to you. So anyway, if you're a parent and um, nothing like this has happened to you yet, then you're probably overdue. I will say, though, that Allison, she was she never caused us any panic. We never you know, missed her. We never, we, we, we always knew where she was. She was different. Carson, I'll never forget the first time he disappeared. It was Halloween when he was eight years old. The first night that we ever let him go trick-or-treating by himself. Safe neighborhood, lots of kids, dads, moms, adults wandering around, totally safe neighborhood. He's gone so long that everybody was home. Even the high school kids were home from trick-or-treating. And it's dark and the streets are deserted and he's still not home. And he's out with his buddy. And I start driving around the neighborhood. No sign of them. I stopped at some neighbor's house. Have you seen Carson? No. I mean, maybe he came by an hour ago, but no. And I call home. No sign of him at home. Uh, And I'm thinking, oh my God, not only is my kid missing, but how am I going to explain to his friend's parents that he's missing too? And of course he shows up. I mean, he had basically gone on a much longer trick-or-treat route um, that took him an extra hour or so, and he didn't care. He didn't. He had no idea, oblivious to the whole thing. Anyway, so that was a story for my weekend. Um, uh, what else is going on? Uh, well, so much is going on. There, You know, there's some things on the podcast that I won't talk about on the radio because I don't know. I just feel that if you listen to the podcast... You're, you and I are much more, I don't know, we're more bonded somehow. So there are things that I will tell you on the podcast that I won't talk about on the radio, and here's one of them. Um, with the whole everything, Matt Lauer and uh, the Garrison Keeler and everybody else, there is not a man out there that doesn't worry that somewhere from back in the past, did I do something? Did I say something? Did I ever, and and you sit there and you think, and and I haven't done anything, but it still makes you worry. It makes me worry like, well, was there something that I forgot that might have been misinterpreted or misunderstood all these years later? And I rack my brain about it. You can't help it. If you're a guy, you can't help it. And I am funny and I used to be flirty. I'm not flirty at all at work anymore. I think that kind of passes with age because nobody wants to be flirted with by somebody who's like, you know, I don't know, their dad's age. So that is that ship has sailed. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't miss it. But this is something that I will not say on the radio, but I will tell you. When I used to get pictures taken with people who listen to the show, I would always put my arm around them. I would never touch their butt. That's just not me. I would never like, you know, grope their butt and say, oh, hey, whoops, slipped. That's just not me. Um, I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's cute. Have I been groped by women on booty cruise? Oh, my God. A dozen times every time we do booty cruise. But here's the thing that I won't talk about on the radio. I will not put my arm around anybody ever again in a photo, unless it's my own kids or my own family or somebody who's a close friend, Steve or Fallon, something like that. I will not. And because I don't want anybody to ever say, Dave put his arm around me and it made me feel uncomfortable. It made me feel unsafe. It made me feel threatened. Because let's face it, you know, you put your arm around somebody, somebody might not like that. 
Um, and I, I'm not going to do it anymore. I went to McDonald's yesterday to do an appearance and give away Jingle Ball tickets. And, and we got pictures taken. I say we when I mean me. I got pictures taken with a ton of people. And each time I got a picture taken, I'd either put my hands behind my back or I'd put them in my coat pockets because I do not feel comfortable putting my arm around people anymore. It seems too intimate. And in the day of 2017, with all these accusations and Matt Lauer, and I know there's a big difference between keeping a sack of sex toys at work and putting your arm around somebody in a photo. There's a huge gap there. I get that. But I just don't feel comfortable with it. And that goes back to what we talked about last week on Friday. We are not, and maybe you haven't heard this yet. Maybe this is news to you. We are not doing booty cruise anymore. We are we we just are not doing booty cruise anymore for several reasons. Number one, it's tired. We've been doing it for so long. I mean, close to twenty years. Um, I think we started in two thousand. Okay, so fifteen years. Two thousand two. It started out on like a one hundred person boat on Lake Minnetonka. Then we moved it to a nine hundred person boat on the Saint Croix, and it's just dated. The word booty sounds very 2004 to me. Um, a boat full of strippers sounds very dated. Uh, and, you know, you can't really grow the show. I can't grow the show if we keep doing the same stuff. So that's one reason. The other reason was in marketing to women in 2017, it just seems very patronizing to say, hey, women, I got a boat full of strippers. L- you you love strippers, right? I can figure you out. Come to the booty cruise and 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 see half naked men. To me, it just seems gross. It seems dated. We never had a problem with anything happening on booty cruise that I know of, um, where any woman felt uncomfortable or unsafe that I know of. Uh, but it just doesn't feel right. It's like in 2017, I don't want to do booty cruise anymore, so we're not doing it anymore. The end. It's not up for discussion, and uh, that's my decision. And I'll take full responsibility for it. Well, here's the funny thing. A lot of people are like, you're a bunch of pussies. Or Dave, you're a pussy. You're bowing to PC, pressure, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, not really. I'm not. Nobody asked me to stop doing booty cruise. As a matter of fact, some women were right when they said, hey, the women on booty cruise choose to be there. They want to see strippers. They want debauchery. They want uh, basically a... a sexy kind of a theme kind of a show and I'm like yeah okay well that's fine I get that but they're not going to get it from us anymore it just doesn't feel right your thoughts this is where you could pipe in and tell me what you think at 612-405-9359 or send me an email to ryanshow at kdwb.com no more booty cruise um, and uh, I think that we're going to move on to do something else I think that it's time to grow and evolve. And here's another thing. Switching somewhat smoothly into another topic. Um, I think, how do I explain this? We, We talk about growing the show and getting away from booty crews and evolving. And I think that a lot of success comes from evolving and taking chances And that is where I segue somewhat smoothly into the book, take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Here's why I thought about that. Um, Well, first of all, the podcast is all about the the book. It's supposed to be with some random thoughts here and there. Uh, A woman who works at a marketing company 
sent me an email and said, will you speak at our company Christmas or holiday party? We want a motivational speaker to speak for 20 or 30 minutes. And I wrote her back and I had some questions, you know, like, yeah, like, you know, you know, where is it and how long do, would you like me to stay afterward and can I sell my book there, whatever. And I thought, well, here's how I always start my speeches. And this is based on a chapter in my book. It is chapter number 25. And the chapter is called Only a 16-Year-Old Could Write a Song Like That. It's kind of a long chapter, so I won't read it. But basically, it goes back to Lord's song in 2013, Royals. And then she did Tennis Court, and then she did a couple of other songs. And my fascination with those songs is that they're so weird and so odd that's why I titled that chapter, Only a 16-Year-Old Could Write a Song Like This, because they don't have rules. They don't have limits. They don't have boundaries at 16 to say, well, no, you can't write a song that sounds like that in that key with that kind of weird harmony that means that. So how does that apply to what I want to talk about in the podcast? Well, here's the story that I tell. It all, now, I'm going to tie it all in one neat package. When I go speak, and if I speak at this uh, this um woman's company holiday party, I usually start my speeches with this story. And here we go. Uh, when I was about eighth grade, my brother was in the brother-in-law was in the air force and he brought home a small parachute about the size of a fitted sheet on your bed. And it was not a, a human parachute. I don't know what its purpose was, but he said, here, have a parachute. Well, I wasn't stupid enough to dr- jump off the house with it, but I did tie it to the back of my bicycle. And I got on a dirt road on a high hill by my house and I put it together in a little bundle and I put a rip cord that was tied to my handlebar. So when I got up to speed, I'd pull the rip cord and poof, it was beautiful. It worked perfectly the first time. (laughs) The second time it got caught up in the back tire and the back wheel and uh, I skidded to a stop on my side. And remember, I'm on a gravel road going as fast as I could down a hill. It took off a bunch of skin on my side. And I remember I was laying in the ditch, um, tangled up in paracord that was so tight, twisted around my fingers that it was painful. Like my fingers were turning beet red because it was was tied off so tight. And so I got out of this mess and I went up to the house and I didn't want to get in trouble. I don't know why I thought I'd get in trouble. So I sneaked into the basement and... uh, and I still have scars on my side to this day and on my arm from sliding down this dirt road. Now, hold that thought in your mind. Then it was about 10 years later, I was about 22, and I had a chance to move to Las Vegas, Nevada to do a morning show. I'd never done a morning show full-time before. I didn't know anybody in Las Vegas. It was 600 miles from my home, but I didn't care. I went to Las Vegas, and without thinking about whether I'd get fired or whether I'd make friends or whether I'd be a bomb I moved to Las Vegas, and it actually changed my life. I found out that doing a morning radio show is what I wanted to do for the rest of my career, and I have, and that was 30-something years ago. Um, And now you take those two stories, and they have one thing in common. In both stories, I did not stop to ask what could go wrong. I did not stop to say, what if I wreck? What if I fail? What if I get hurt? What if I get fired or hit my head? At no time did I stop to ask what could go wrong. As we get older, we stop ourselves every time 
with questions about whether it's going to go well or we're going to fail. When I was 24, I got a job offer in Philadelphia. I was working in Columbus, Ohio. And in radio, the bigger the market you work in, the more prestige, the more money, the more audience, the more attention, the more success there usually is. Columbus, Ohio was market 38. Philadelphia was about market six. I got a job offer to move to Philadelphia for probably three times the money I was making, and I turned it down. Why? Because I talked myself out of it. I was convinced that I wasn't ready, that something would go wrong. I wasn't good enough. I would be competing with people who were 10, 15, 20 years older than me with much more experience. And I told myself, you're not ready. I did not go to Philadelphia. Um, I want, here's the lesson. Um, Lord did not put any, any restrictions on herself. Eighth grade Dave Ryan did not put restrictions on myself. Neither did 22-year-old Dave Ryan. But by the time I was 24, I started to ask questions. And I started to talk myself out of things. And I think that there's a big lesson here. It's one of my favorite lessons in life and in your success is that you have to risk something to grow. You have to. There's got to be something that you're risking in order to grow. And if you're not risking anything, you're not going to grow. Whether it's professionally, uh, in your health, in your um, relationships, to to gr to get a good relationship, you have to take a risk of going out on some bad dates or going out with somebody that you are not sure you're going to like them or going to coffee with somebody that you don't know that well. Uh, to move up in your career, you have to take a job that you're not certain it's going to work out. You have to take some sort of risk in order to get success. Let me tell you what happens if you don't. I'm not going to name any names, but I know a lot of people in radio who are terrified for their job. They do not want to take risks. They do not want to take chances. They just want to be safe and not get noticed and not rock the boat. So therefore, they don't take chances. They don't do anything that might rock the boat. They don't do anything that is a little bit edgy because they want to be very safe and, and, and not upset anybody. But when you're very safe and you don't risk anything, you have no chance of a massive success. Nobody is going to come by and drop a big load of success, whatever that might be, into your lap. I mean, it's not likely. I guess it's possible. But if you're sitting around going, I want more success, I want a better relationship. I want better health. I mean, health, there doesn't seem to be much of a risk, but what if you go to the gym and join the gym and you don't, you, you spend $119 a month and you never go or whatever a gym membership is. I'm sure they're not that much. Um, or what if you start and you buy a treadmill or you start running and you don't like it. And so it's much more comforting to sit and eat. Trust me, I've been there. Um, so even with our health, um, what if I'm going to stop smoking? Well, I could stop smoking, but what if I gain weight? So there's always a risk in anything that's going to make your life better. Don't you think? Don't you agree with that? I really think that's true. So whatever it is that you want, whatever success that you want, whether it's a better job, a better relationship, to write a song like Lord, you have to take a risk. I think... I've made my point. Hey, uh, we're going to wrap up here in a second on the podcast. I want to make sure that there's nothing that I forgot to cover. Let me open up my phone here. Um, oh, there is one more thing that I wanted to cover. I just thought this was really cool. Uh, and that is 
Um, how did I get started on this? I put it on my Facebook page. And by the time you hear this, it's probably going to be way down on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Dave Ryan KDWB. Um, if you had a time machine and could go back to any era, any spot for one day, and you could never use your time machine again, where would you go and what would you do and why? And I thought that question was fascinating, and I didn't get a whole lot of responses on my Facebook page yet, but mine would be, I would love to go to the town that I grew up in, Colorado Springs, Colorado, about 1950 or so, uh, just to see what it looked like and what it felt like. And, you know, a lot of the buildings are still there in the same place, but the town has grown so much. You could walk from one end of Colorado Springs to the other in an hour easily back then, easily. And uh, now it's, it's here. I would love to see it. Where would you go? If you had a time machine, you'd be teleported to any time, anywhere. What would you see? Where would you go? And what, what would you do for one day? Um, and that's mine. You know, people say, I'd go back to the 1850s. I'd love to say, and that would be cool. I would never want to live in the 1850s because life was brutal back then. I mean, to go to the bathroom, you had to go outdoors in freezing weather, and you had to go places by horse, and people got trampled by horses, and medical care was not almost non-existent. There was no antibiotics back then. We didn't even know what caused infection back then. You know, in the Civil War, they'd cut off somebody's leg with a dirty saw and then wondered why they got infected and died. We didn't know what... So life was brutal. No thanks. 1850, you stay away from me, I'll stay away from you. But 1950, that'd be kind of cool. What about you? All right, that's going to wrap up the podcast. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Hey, listen, do you know anybody who would like this book? If you do, you can order it on Amazon. It's easy to find. It's about $15 to $17. And if you want me to sign it, I'm, I'm serious when I say this, bring it down to the radio station. I'll sign it to them for Christmas. Or you can mail it to me with a self-addressed stamped envelope and let me know you know who you want it signed to and what the occasion is and I will mail it back to you as long as you provide a self-addressed stamped envelope be happy to do it um, so if you want it signed we'll figure out a way to do it send emails to Dave Ryan at kdwb.com send me a voicemail or leave me a voicemail 612-405-9359 check out the Facebook page uh, take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. We'll do another podcast next week. And until then, have a great week.